Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Gillen. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 79th official episode. We're recording back-to-back because there's a blizzard outside and we don't we know go. when we're going to be able to record again. <laughs> Today, we are talking about NBA award races for the 2020-2021 NBA season. We're going to go over MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved, Coach of the Year, Sixth Man, and Executive of the Year. Pretty much all of them. You excited? course let's get on into it all right most valuable player this was weird for me because i was because last year it felt kind of mad i'm like it feels weird to put Giannis again and then Giannis won it again yeah no so, he's not he's not he's, he's not touching my top three. Oh, we should probably mention that we're doing like top three and some of the th- one of the three is usually like a dark horse ish just to be fun yeah Giannis is not touching my top three this year just because I refuse to believe that it's going to happen again where like voter fatigue just won't be a factor I agree like if if like yes Giannis is like a top like whatever player of all time but it's if, happened like twice but if, but if LeBron can't win three in a row exactly. Giannis will not win three exactly in a row. it's happened like twice ever that people have won three in a row and like the last one was Larry Bird in the 80s so although I will say the last person to win MVP and defensive player of the year last was Giannis last year and before that it was like Hakeem Olajuwon or Jordan or something okay, but anyways speaking of LeBron James I have him as my most valuable player you're number one yes as my number one just okay. because for the other guys on my list I'm like okay I don't think like if you're watching this right now you should go back and look at our last episode 78 where we talk about the Western Conference standings yeah I didn't have Luca, who seems to be a favorite he's not in my top three because I don't think that the Mavericks are going to be a top three seed. And historically, there has been one player ever who won the MVP award when he was not a top three seed in his conference. And that was Russell Westbrook. Yeah. He averaged a triple-double. I actually do have Luka. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Like, yeah. I understand yeah. it. Um, I just he, he seems to be the popular pick this year. I try not to do that. Um, like so last year. pick to Giannis. Well, no, last yeah, no, two you, years you, ago, you Giannis. Okay. Two years ago, Giannis. Everyone wasn't. It wasn't like everybody was picking Giannis. I feel like most people were, would have picked James Harden. And last year, I picked Jokic. It pains me to say that Jokic is also not in my top three this year. I'm gonna put Luca at number one, even though it's kind of the popular pick because I think that the media on his side factor oh, yeah, is such, so ridiculous. That's so facts. I actually, so facts. I actually do buy into the fact that the Mavericks could be a top three seed this year. If you go back and listen to episode 78 that we were just talking about where we did our western like conference power rankings i had the mavericks at number at the number three seed in the western conference behind only the lakers and the clippers that being said i mean it, it's that's sort of one of the the prerequisites for being an mvp candidate is that your team is a top three seed in the conference i think though if there were a person who could like break that rule you know they could, that that the media would like stretch the limits and they would and they would let the like four seed happened to just like win the MVP, just look the other way, it would be Luca. For whatever reason, Luca is just the golden boy, the the, the you know, the miracle man for the for the eyes of, of NBA fans and especially the media right now. Um at the end of the day, those are the people who vote on the vote on the award. Um I mean I so I so I've done a lot of talking about like like the the narrative and like the the hype factor will be real. But I also think that he will deserve it. Like that's that's not to say like I also think that Luka Doncic is going to come out and average over 30 points per game next season, continue to put up monster assist numbers. We know he can rebound the heck out of the ball, and I think that it will all lead to winning basketball with a healthy team this year. Honestly, I hope he does, because I love watching Luka Doncic play. I just He's, he's going to win an MVP at some point in his career, at, in my opinion. He's going to win one in the next three years. And so I think, and I think that this year is the year. Yeah. I, just, I think, even though he's had such a good start to his career, I think next year is the year not this upcoming okay year. i think that's next fair year. um the reason i have lebron james is because if i look at the top three seeds in each conference i'm like okay out west Kawhi is never going to win an mvp just because he doesn't care about the regular season that's the two seed in the west yeah. the three seed in the west i have like the clippers but i don't think Jokic is going to win because he doesn't like put up enough uh, put up enough scoring numbers yep. if we go out west like Giannis is not winning back-to-back years um like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like I don't, I don't think like there's enough there. Um, and Kevin Durant's not fully healthy. Uh, and then like the three seed, um, has like like who is it? Like it, like I don't think Embiid's gonna win it. I don't, I don't think Jason Tatum's gonna win it. Which I know you have something to say about that. Um, but so I'm like, okay, where do I go? And I'm like, I think I'm gonna just rely on the fact that LeBron James is just going to have a carbon copy of last year sure. where he's going to be like, like, like he's going to put up like top three numbers in the league. But I think he's going to be 
like last year the argument was oh the the bucks are a better team i think that's going to work in his favor this year i think yeah the argument's gonna be like oh yeah like luca's putting up better numbers but you know lebron's team has 10 more wins than his team does just I, like it, just almost like like when Giannis won it over harden yeah it's gonna be the same thing and, and i want to i want to talk i mean i already i already made the case is luca for my number one my number two happens to be lebron james so i want to sort of back you up on that a little bit is i think that um i think that lebron not winning it last year when some people argued he should have he should not have um I think he will ride that in the championship in the year 18 thing into the sun. There's a, there's a chance that he will ride that into the sunset and like win like, you know, his last like MVP on his way to another championship, another finals MVP and like put together a perfect year um, in LA. And, and so I think, and it's a, that's a real possibility. I don't think it's the most likely outcome as displayed by me putting Luca number one, um, partially because once again, I think that, I think that if anything, this is step this this year could be step one in LeBron saying, yo, AD, uh, I'm not going to last forever. Um, and so I don't, I don't ever want to bet against LeBron James in terms of like his longevity. Cause that, yeah, you'll, you'll lose your money basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, I think if, I don't know. And, and I, and it seems like the, the media, because I'm like, keep talking about the media because the media plays a very important part in the, in the MVP race the media continues to be on sort of team LeBron as like LeBron is the best player in the league. He's the best player on the Lakers. But if there's any chance that that narrative can start to shift and that Anthony Davis becomes the best player in the Lakers, right? Or Anthony Davis becomes the one putting up bigger scoring numbers. You know, if Anthony Davis comes out and averages 30 instead of 25, all of a sudden Anthony Davis and LeBron James could be butting heads for MVP. And that makes it a lot less likely that either of them wins it in my opinion. So I'm going to go with Luka 1 and LeBron slash maybe Anthony Davis 2, but more likely LeBron. Personally, I think LeBron is still clear-cut the best player on this team, so I don't think, I, I I, I, I don't think that matters. For my number two, I have Wardell. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot to change my shirt. Oh, my gosh. Okay, just imagine That's, he's wearing a Steph Curry imagine shirt. Imagine I'm wearing yeah. a Steph Curry shirt. It's in my backpack. Anyways, I have Steph Curry as number two because if I'm just like, I'm like, okay, what are what are paths to the MVP? Yeah. Admittedly, like, Luke, is Luka more likely? Maybe. I think that this might just be catering to my ideal scenario, but I also think that the Warriors and the Mavericks have an equal chance to be like a top four team in the West. And so I think that if if you watch our last video, you know that I think that Steph Curry is more of a one man show than Luca is in that Luca at least has freaking Porzingis or whatever. Whereas Steph Curry's just going to be taking a million shots a game. I think Steph Curry could just average 32 this year well i, I like and your, it wouldn't be a big deal i like your lebron one steph curry thing as sort of a tandem because i think it implies correctly that like lebron is probably the safest pick for this year and i think your i think your argument might kind of be that like the only thing that's stopping that is like a miracle season from steph curry which yeah. there is some possibility of i once again i'm not gonna put my money on that i don't think the I think that a, a Warriors team without Klay Thompson, with an older Draymond Green, with Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre, I don't think that team is like, and, and if, a rookie James Wiseman, I don't think that's a top three seed in the Western Conference. If Klay Thompson was healthy, Steph Curry would be my favorite for MVP. And I, and I wouldn't call you crazy for that. And I'm not going to call you crazy for having him at two. Similarly, he's not in my top three, but I, I'm not going to put it out of the question, right? Whereas... Um, I don't know. I was I was hesitant to say it last year, and I'm hesitant to say it again this year that like Steph Curry would be like the MVP, but it's not impossible. Um, I I think I think there's everybody's sort of holding on to this hope that like that the 73 and nine Warrior Steph Curry is still out there somewhere. He is. He is. I'm. I'm and we'll see. Safe. I'm like I'm. I'm honestly like I'm not the biggest Steph Curry fan. I'm. I'm very excited to see that, and I would be happy to see that. Um, but my money's not on him being every ounce of him of his former self all right who you got at third for mvp and number three this is sort of my dark horse pick and this is this is a little bit gutsy because i don't think i've seen anybody else say this um i have jason tatum as my as my number three wow and in the same way that like steph curry could put together this sort of like miracle comeback season and all of a sudden just like everything goes in his goes his way i think there's some remote chance that jason tatum could have the same thing with the celtics this year where if the Celtics come out of nowhere and take the two seed in the East, which I actually predicted, so I don't actually think it would be that out of nowhere, but it would be for some people, especially because they lost Gordon Hayward. Some people would argue they're going to be a worse team next year than they were the year before. Um, 
I think if they come in and they steal the two seed, I don't think they're gonna they're gonna beat the Bucks out for the one seed. I think that that that's that's going too far. Um, as if Jay, picking Jason Tatum for MVP isn't already. Um, I think if they come in and take the two seed, internal improvement continues to be a factor, which I don't see why it wouldn't be for Jason Tatum in year four. Increased opportunity with Gordon Hayward gone, with Kyrie gone, right? It's, so I think that it's it's pretty clear that Jason Tatum is going to walk in and be the number one scoring option for probably the first time in his career, like like w- without question. I mean, he was last year, but it was it was more divided, I guess I would say. But really, he's I think he's the unquestionable best player on the team. I think this is a year we could see Jason Tatum kind of come in and take over. So if you have a if you have a Celtics team that's second in the East, they're one of the better defensive teams in the league, which they tend to be. They tend to be a very good defensive team, and we know that Jason Tatum's a good defender, so he's going to get a lot of credit on that end of the bat, at that on, on that end of the court. He puts up 27 points per game, which isn't that big of a jump from the 23 points per game last year, but makes a huge difference in an MVP race. Um, I think all of a sudden you're looking at right there a real case for a Jason Tatum MVP season. Honestly, I, I do see it. I, I think that I would compare it. I don't think it, it'll, even that, I don't think will be necessarily enough. I will compare that to the Carmelo Anthony season where he stole one vote from yeah. LeBron James. One, because they play the same position. Um, two, I think they're going to end up somewhere the same in the Eastern Conference standings, okay. like the three seed or whatever. Um, and so I, but I think that the reason I say that is because I don't, I can't see Jason Tatum averaging 30 this year. I can see him averaging like 27, 28, which, yeah. which is what yeah. Melo did in that year. Um, I just don't think it's enough firepower, but I think he, I think well, he is going to have a great season. T- I guess, I guess the way that I'm looking at it is like, I don't think LeBron's going to put up more than that. Right. And, and, and so I think like, once again, it's, it's hard for me to say that anybody besides Luca or LeBron will win it this year. Um, but I'm throwing my dark horse Jason Tatum pick out there because I haven't seen anybody saying that. Like, I, I literally haven't seen an article. Like, please, yeah, please I, tag I, me in something if you see somebody saying that. I haven't seen anybody saying that. And so part of the reason I'm putting it out there is because I think it's I think it's a very real possibility that nobody is talking about. Um, and I think I think the, the chance for, for Jason Tatum to match what LeBron's doing statistically is there. He might not have the advanced statistics on his side because that's always a, a calling card for LeBron James, like his on-off numbers, right, or his, his efficiency rating and things like that. Like, Giannis beat him in all those categories last year, but LeBron's were still incredible. Um, I don't know if Jason Tatum can match that, but just in terms of like the on-paper statistics, like if he puts up 27-28, that's what LeBron's going to put up scoring-wise. You know, if he puts up four assists, right, like LeBron's going to put up, he could he'd go out and lead the league again in assists next year. So like that's, that, could be a, that could be a difference maker. Again. Um, you know, he put, puts up maybe close to 10 rebounds, like averaging close to double-double. There's there's some there's some case out there in which Jason Tatum could do it where uh, the the Celtics put together sort of like a miracle season. But I, I it's would, a dark horse for a reason. I would argue that my dark horse is even more darker and horsier <laughs> than your dark horse. Okay, go for it. Even though my my player is every, everyone in the league would say is a better player than yours. Okay, shoot. And so my dark horse for MVP is Kevin Durant, which like. I haven't seen anyone say that either. Yeah. Like, even though he's the top three player in the league, right? Like, you, you've heard no one say that in the past, I don't know, year because he's been out with injury. Mm-hmm. And the presumption is he's going to come back and he's going to be a little worse. Yeah. But I, if, he's, if, if, he's, if he is the same Kevin Durant we saw in Golden State, there is zero reason why he can't win this award because – He's gonna come out. They're gonna be the two seed. I think. I think if the if the Nets are the one seed next year, I, I would I would bet that he he could definitely win it. Well, here. So, so and, think- and 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 also like I know you're you're a little more pro Celtics and less Nets. I'm very pro Nets in that I think like they have a shot at the one seed. I'm gonna. I guess. I guess my bold take here is like I like Jason Tatum's odds of making All NBA first team more than I like Kevin Durant's. For example, like I think so Kevin Durant's like, you know, ceiling, okay, is is higher. I think I think um, I didn't actually watch the Nets preseason game the other night, but from what I've heard, uh, offensively they the look Nets nice. look like they were firing at all cylinders. Yeah. Um, I think I think uh, in offensively Kevin Durant really shouldn't lose too much. Like his like he's still gonna be putting up jump shots for like all of like from all the time he missed. Um, but I think that it, it it takes a little bit of time for you to get your legs back under you, and in a year where we already have a shortened season. Maybe I'm putting too much thought into this, right? Maybe I'm just overthinking the fact that he's Kevin Durant. 
I think that really could hurt him a little bit. Um, I also didn't pick the, the Nets to be... Uh, I think I picked them to be a three seed. So that would be enough, but it would be... But with, like, if, if you have Kevin Durant and you have Kyrie Irving and you have Karis LeVert and you have Spencer Dinwiddie, people might not look... Might not point to Kevin Durant and be like, wow, the Nets, like... The, you know, the yeah. Nets... Like, the they, the, they, same, the they same way could, it's been done for Giannis. They could be... Like, could be a decent team without Kevin Durant. Might be the, might be the criticism that he gets. Um, just because Kyrie Irving is a superstar in his own right. Arguably a top 10 player in the NBA, right? Um, but no, I don't disagree. Like, if, if Kevin Durant comes out and, and, I, and he continues to be explosive, he continues to have his unbelievable scoring touch there's no reason he can't put up the numbers to win mvp he just needs some luck with the media right and then and then it could easily fall that way i yeah. agree so mvp one lebron james two steph curry dark horse three kevin durant luca lebron dark horse jason tatum all right let's get into defensive player of the year yeah for this award it was so weird i don't i didn't even know what to do for yeah, this yeah, award yeah. I, am, I almost never know what to do now that like rudy gobert's won it twice to where that's voter fatigue sure um to where Giannis won it last year so in my opinion that's voter fatigue mm-hmm. i have him as like a lame third not dork not uh dark horse option my dark horse option is actually my first option which is Kawhi leonard yeah, which is like like weirdly because like people would I knew, rank him. I knew you had picked him. P, yeah, but P, this is a little dark horse. Yeah, because it definitely is because over the past two years, like he hasn't been in conversations because people are like, oh yeah, he yeah, he's a good defender, but like you know, like he's not the same way that like a center is just yeah. gonna change your defense. But I think when I'm looking at this award, this award goes to the best defensive player on a top five defensive team. And I'm thinking, okay, who are the top five defensive teams gonna be? Were the Clippers last year? I honestly I assume so. <laughs> okay. And, and I probably should have researched that, but I didn't. But I think that Giannis the, the Bucks are gonna be up there, but Giannis has already won it. Um the um the, the Jazz are gonna be up there because Rudy Gobert, but Rudy Gobert's won it twice. Um Maybe even the Warriors, but like Jerry Mom's not like all that. And so I'm like, okay, who are going to be the top teams? Oh, it could be the Clippers, and then it would go to Kawhi. Or it could be my number two option where it's the 76ers, and I go with Joel Embiid. So I have number one, I have Kawhi Leonard as my dark horse. Number two, I have Joel Embiid because I also think 76ers are going to be good, and he's a top, I don't know, three, five rim protector in the league. So either way, I think he's elite at the rim. And, like, we have so many good defenders in this league to where it's kind of about being in the right place at the right time. Like, you just have to have, like, a good team defense to make your individual defense shine because that's how defense works. So, for that reason, I have Kawhi at number one. I think he's just going to be locking up guys. And I think the Clippers have a very good chance of just being the best defense in the league or top three. And people are—there's going to be hype around that. And then Kawhi's just going to be like, yay, I yay, I win defense player of the year. And then at, at, at two, I have Joel Embiid. Okay, so I, I'm looking up um, the Clippers' defensive rating. Let me see if I can find it again. Um, right right there, yes. Okay, so the Clippers are 13th in defensive rating and 13th in points allowed last year. But that was also with Kawhi and Paul George missing a lot of the year. Sure. But are we betting on them not doing the same this year? Yeah, I think I don't so. know if I am. Um, just because so. of load management. Like, like, Paul George should play more games in theory because he doesn't have this shoulder thing. Although... I mean, he's been dealing with the shoulder thing for two years, apparently. So who knows? Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't disagree with the quiet pick, um, especially because he's done it before. Like, there's no, you know, Twice, there's no reason he can. Maybe. I guess. Yeah. Um, I think just once, but oh, yeah. yeah. My pick, uh, maybe it's a little boring. Is is Giannis? Boo. Um, Boo. I, I, I honestly think that the most the most likely defensive player of the year candidate, though, is the Greek freak, um, because I I think that I think that. The, the that he still deserve he's still going to deserve some love in the in the award races because I think he's still going to put up an absolutely monstrous season next year. But everybody's going to be bored of voting him twice for MVP. So nobody's going to want to put him for MVP. But I think people will be like, okay, but yeah, he still deserves Defensive Player of the Year. I think it's like a consolation prize for you. <laughs> the voting like, system so messed up. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a little bit of like a okay, we're bored of putting you as MVP, but you still deserve to be Defensive Player of the Year. I honestly think that's when I honestly think that's what's going to happen um, because. There's no reason he shouldn't do what he did last year again. Plus, they added Drew Holiday, um, who's probably going to improve the defense. Um, yeah, I have Giannis as my boring third option. But yeah, so he's my boring first option. Okay, give me your other two. Um, at number two, I have Anthony Davis. Uh, 
once again, like just the next guy up from last year. But the same thing goes where the, the Lakers were an elite defense last year. Anthony Davis is at the heart of it. He puts up the blocks. He puts up the, you know, like advanced statistics for it. Um, I don't see, I, I mean, I think these two guys are juggernauts at, or should be juggernauts for the for the defensive player of the year um, race. And I don't really see anybody coming in and knocking those two guys out. And I think, so really, I think anybody besides Giannis and Anthony Davis is a dark horse. I think anybody, like, I think anybody else is, like, unlikely. Um, I guess I'll go on to my number three, which is my dark horse by default, because, like, I think that those two, those two, as I said before, are kind of in a league of their own for the Defense Player of the Year likelihood. Um, but I'm going to say Joel Embiid. So you, you would my number two. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, um, I think, I think Joel Embiid is an elite rim protector, if he's healthy, there's no reason that the 76ers shouldn't be a good defense. Um, and he, and he'll get the credit for that. Basically. I mean, I don't really know what to say other than like, he's a damn good rim protector. Honestly, um, he's getting pretty old. I feel like, I mean, relatively, he's getting pretty, pretty old in that. Like he's not like a young guy anymore. Yeah. Okay. I feel like it, it would be weird if he just retires without a, a defensive player of the year. Yes and no. Like there, in in the in the grand scheme of NBA history, there aren't that many defensive player yeah. of the years, right? But but yeah, he does. He definitely deserves to be like in the conversation. But has he even had an all defensive first team? I don't think that he. Oh, I don't know that he has. Not. Just because centers are stacked. I'll look that up too. Yeah, but yeah, because centers are stacked. Yeah. But go ahead and give us your third. I, I already gave you my third. My third is boring oh. Giannis. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So to summarize, one is my dark horse, Kawhi Leonard. Two, Joel Embiid, and three. Giannis Adetokounmpo. Yep. Okay, so I have Giannis, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid. Boring. But bad content. Sorry. All right, rookie, <laughs> r- rookie of the year. For my number one, well, first of all, LaMelo Ball is not on my list. Agreed. And Anthony, really? Yeah. Really? I'm like, I'm like happy about that. I'm happy that that, you that did. shocks me. No, I'm. you've been you've been hearing me be so anti-LaMelo Ball about like his yeah. rookie year. Like I, I'm very convinced that, 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 Lamelo Ball is gonna have like a rough rookie year, shooting wise, scoring wise. Um, he's gonna have a ton of turnovers, and he's just gonna have like some nice passes, and the and the media's gonna get hype over that anyway. But he won't deserve rookie of the year. Like he's gonna have so much opportunity on the on the Hornets. They're gonna give him the reins of the office. But but the pre his preseason his first preseason game wrapped up exactly what I was saying perfectly. He had like four assists and like four turnovers, and he went. 0 for 11 from the field. Um, yeah, that was rough. And then like 10 rebounds. Okay, so he had a few, bad. and so he had he had as many he had like a, a one assist to turnover ratio, and yet he I had probably 10 posts on my feed just like that night of Lamelo ball passes, uh, like you know from Instagram, sp- uh, uh, Sports Center, Bleacher Report, or, you know, whatever. At what, Space like, the Floor podcast on Instagram <laughs> and at Space the Floor on Twitter, which you should be following. We did not post about that, but yeah, it's true. Um, but I was seeing all these posts, and it's like you look at his stat line. It's like he didn't score. He didn't put the ball in the basket until his second game, and like he makes one three, and everybody's going crazy. It's like no matter what he does, he's gonna like get so much hype just because he's Lamelo Ball. But he is not gonna deserve Rookie of the Year. He might go on to be an All Star caliber player one day. He is going to be rough his rookie year. Like he's gonna have moments of greatness. He's gonna have flashes where you're like. I, I, you know, I saw Legend of Winning put on Twitter, and Legend of Winning is an is an awesome NBA YouTuber. If you don't know who he is, um, but but Lamelo made like a full court like baseball pass right into I think it was like Bismack Biombo's like bread basket, and he like puts it up for the layup. And 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 Lowe said something like, "There's legit only four or five players in the NBA that can make that pass consistently." He's not wrong, and and, and Lamelo might be in that category, but. Until further notice, which is becoming my new favorite term, um, the the like wildness of Lamelo Ball is still going to outweigh that those like moments where he shines. Like his his productivity is still going to be like very much stunted by all the negative things he does. Okay, so aside from who's not going to be rookie okay, of the year, yeah, yeah, sorry. Let's talk about who is going to be rookie of the year. At number one, I have James Wiseman, as I as I okay. alluded to in my in our past episode episode 78 where we do western conference you should check that out we we this we, makes sense like like i i was like oh i think the warriors are gonna be a top four seed That's, yeah because i think 
Like so, I I I because, have some because continuity. Because you have Seth Curry as your number two MVP, it makes sense that you have James Wiseman here. Yeah. Because if if the Warriors have a damn good season, then James Wiseman, it's gonna be like, okay, James Wiseman was the starting center. He put up a double double with like you know fifteen points on like a very good team in Washington. Yeah. Conference. Like I, I don't see a reason why you can't average like fifteen ten on like a four seed or a five yeah. seed, and that'll that'll be and that's rookie of the year numbers, especially right? in like a class that's might not be as strong. So for that reason, number one, I have James Wiseman. I have him at number three. Um, I just I think I think this one's like a little bit of a of a boring pick and I and I I'm I'm not particularly high on on James Wiseman or Lamelo Ball. I was going into the draft thinking I I was talking about this the last episode that that Anthony Edwards would be my number one pick like I think that he's the right pick I think he's the most solidified prospect but I'm still not very high on Anthony Edwards either. Um, but you had to take one of those three guys the number one pick or trade down. Hey Amen. That's what they said about the Suns taking DeAndre Ayton over Luka Doncic <laughs> like in terms of like obligated to take the guy that everyone oh, oh, said oh. is number well, one well then you I mean but the idea is that you trade down and then you take Luka okay whatever yeah. uh <laughs> totally lost train of thought. so he's my number three but let me hit my number one which is New York's very own Obi Toppin that's my number two let's go Okay, so we didn't do a we didn't do a post draft analysis episode, which is a bit of a mistake because uh, there's some stuff to talk about. I was very happy with the new with New York with the New York Knicks taking Obi Toppin. Um, I was surprised that he fell to us for num- number one um, because I legitimately think he is going to be the best rookie out of anybody in this class. I think that walking into the NBA tomorrow, he is the best player out of anybody in the rookie class. The problem is, and what I, I call it the Kyle Kuzma effect, is when you draft a guy who's coming out of college, like a junior or senior, who's already 22. The Malcolm Brogdon effect. Yeah, you what, you, what you see when they're a rookie is what you, is get. What you get. Yeah, <laughs> like, like so, so Obi Toppin could come out and be rookie of the year, and as you can tell, I think he is going to be. But he's not going to continue to take leaps, leaps and bounds for the next four years, as you would expect a LaMelo Ball to. So, while right now, I think that Obi Toppin is a far superior player to LaMelo Ball, I think that you would rather have LaMelo Ball, if you're the Charlotte Hornets, than Obi Toppin, because I think the potential for LaMelo Ball to be a franchise cornerstone, to be your franchise's best player, is far higher than it is for for Obi Toppin. So, I think Obi Toppin is going to come out, and he can be somewhere between a 15 and a a 20-point-per-game score. Probably like a 17 is is like what I would... Put his sort of like his 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 peak, like 15 I, I, to 17. I would be very content with that as an Knicks yeah. Fan. So like 15 to 17, I think he can put up 10 rebounds per game, and he's gonna be a little eh on the defensive end. Oh, maybe a little worse than eh, like maybe a little bad on the defensive end. If you're running him as your small ball center, it is going to hurt. That's the sort of like John Collins thing. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of like comparisons I guess you could make with Obi Top and other players, but I think as a rookie as a rookie of the year candidate, he's in New York. So that helps his case. Yeah. Because people like the Knicks, and, and there's a lot of us Knicks fans. <laughs> You're just basing this whole thing on media. <laughs> a little bit. Like, if I'm just talking about, like, like what's the most likely, like... And, and this one is a little bit like I'm manifesting it. I just want this one to happen, too. <laughs> so I'm going to say it. Um, but, like, but let's go so New, so New York and the media, uh, I, I think that he was, he was the best player in college basketball last year, and I think he's going to be the best player day one of rookie year um, and will continue to be for you know, probably for the for the regular season. And there's a lot of opportunity in New York is another thing. Um, and I guess I forget what my third thing is. But yeah, Obi Toppin for Rookie of the Year. All right. Um, so I have him as my, as my number two. My number three is my dark horse. I have Killian Hayes, who had one of the worst NBA okay. debuts of all time. His first game was abysmal. But, um, but mentored by D. Rose. Mentored by D. Rose. Um, <laughs> I think that Killian Hayes... Well, you're just, you're just mad that the Knicks didn't take him. Yeah, honestly, because I, I I wanted him like I that this could just be like such like a like a bust um like take where I'm just like yeah. looking back on this in two years I'm like what like what was I doing? Mm-hmm. But because because Killian Hayes I think is gonna be boom or bust even though some people look at him as like stable, I look at him as oh he's just gonna be Frank Nilkina or he's going to be. I don't know what people Frank Nilkina th- caliber or like no, yeah. in the mold of no 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 I think Frank Kilp- Frank Nilkina caliber like okay, he's either yeah, gonna be yeah, him yeah. or he's gonna be uh, I don't know what what people thought Lonzo Ball was going to be I think he's gonna be one of those okay. two things um, and I just think that 
I think Killian Hayes, he's gonna like he's gonna be able to start over Derrick Rose because if he wasn't starting, he would not be on this list because of opportunity. Um, I They've think, already come out and said he's gonna start. Yeah, over exactly. Rose, yeah. So I, I think that Killian Hayes is gonna have the opportunity because he's on a horrible team and he's gonna t- get to chuck up a bunch of shots. Um, and he's decent pieces around him in that like Jaron Grant's a good role player, Derrick Rose is a good mentor. Um, they have like solid centers or whatever, and so I just think that like. If, if if I'm going dark horse for who who is like a pretty high ceiling rookie year, I think Killian Hayes could be that guy. All right, and, and so I've said my number one is Obi Toppin, and my number three is James Wiseman. But you're like Connor, who's number two? Connor, who's your number two? Well, this is where I have my dark horse, Mr. Isaac Okoro. Dude, Isaac Okoro is nice. Bro. I am super buying into uh, the the preseason. <laughs> this might be like a total preseason overreaction. Maybe we should just done this episode before the preseason, no. and then I wouldn't have made this mistake. But no, uh, Isaac Okoro in his in his preseason put he's, up like eighteen on like he's so ripped six bro. for nine or Dude, like, his arms are twisted. <laughs> his arms are twisted steel. They're like it's very it's okay, very crazy. Okay, have have your moment. Um, but and then and then, the, and then so so, I, first of all, he's been he's been great from what he's shown. I really didn't know much about him um, as of like draft night, but and then I also, I also think like Cleveland who's stealing touches from him like Colin Sexton and like that's kind of it like Kevin Love but like Kevin Love probably doesn't even want to be there I don't know like is like Kevin I, Porter Jr. stealing his minutes I don't I, think I hope so not. yeah <laughs> I so I, I don't know I yeah this is basically just based off of preseason but like Isaac Coro Isaac Coro very cool name by the way too um, okay fair enough on to most improved player this one was like such a top this this one every year is just so confusing it's like oh which third year player am I gonna pick this year <laughs> Um, the answer is Shea Gilch Alexander. You did get Bam last right last year. Was he my number one? I think so. Um, my my first last year was Wait, Karis Levert. Did Bam win it, <laughs> or did Brandon Ingram win it? <laughs> Bro, we're dude, we're scrubs for that. Oh my god. Um, Bam should have won it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bias that ass. Um, anyways, I have Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander as my number one because last year he averaged like 19, which I think is is low enough for me to. I, I'm telling you, right, dude. It's totally Brandon Ingram. <laughs> I, dude, you're you're a scrub for not knowing that. Um, anyways, it is, yeah, yeah, it, it, it yeah, was, it yeah, yeah. Brandon Ingram won. I told you because because I remember before this episode, I was like, okay, how many points per game did Brandon Ingram average the year before he won it? Like, like yeah, what yeah, was yeah. the margin? Um, and it's it's like he averaged a similar points per game to Shea last year, to where I think Shea could just come out and drop like twenty four a game. Yeah. Which, which is the jump that Brandon Ingram made this year, and historically is the jump that players make. They 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 jump from good young player to all star. Yeah, that, that that's what they do. So that, that's that's what I was that's what I was about to say. Is is we I think we were actually talking about this. Is like, do you pick Shea? Do you pick Jamal Murray for this most improved thing? Um, and and that's and that's the problem is when you have somebody who's as good last year as a Shea or as a Jamal Murray, the jump they have to make is to an All Star caliber player. And for a Western Conference guard to make that jump, especially with Steph Curry returning, especially with you know Chris Paul and and Devin Booker and like like there's other guys who are like kind of on the fringe, but like could make it again or could make it for the first time. It's going to be hard for a guy like Shea or Jamal Murray to get in there, um, the way that Brandon Ingram did last year. But I actually agree with you, and I have Shea at number three. Okay, I mean, yeah. So I, I just personally think I think his usage is going to be so high, and he's a good yeah. enough player to where he won't be too inefficient. But my my other argument against Shea is also just that I think that um, I think efficiency. I was talking about this in the in the Westbrook standings video, um, or in our last episode. I think I think his efficiency could be hurt. Like I think his I think his volume is going to be increased massively. I think his efficiency could be hurt as a result. Um, there's just a lot of there's a lot of pressure put on Shea Gilgis Alexander all of a sudden because these the Thunder are left with very few other offensive weapons. My my number the other the yeah, other problem is we both predicted they would have the worst record in the Western Conference. That doesn't really hurt you that much for most improved player, I don't think, but it could. You know, like like it doesn't it definitely doesn't help. Um, Man's drippy as hell too, so that okay. that that's that's plus like five percent chance. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll throw my number one at you, which is actually the same person I put at number two last year. So Dude, you're such a clown. Clock. I know what you're going to say. OG, I don't know. You're me. such a clown. Dude, the, uh, this kid said it last year, and, and OG averaged like five points a game. I, I don't no, know. I, he I, averaged I, like 10 last year. 
give him some credit. He went from like seven to ten. Um, I don't know. Like people are actually people are actually jumping on my OG for uh, most improved player bandwagon a little bit this year, and so I just like thought I'd pick him again because uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just like sticking with it until it happens. Um, he's averaging ten point six points per game, but he I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna use the same argument that I that I used last year. Last year yeah. OG averaged seven points per game. And you thought he was gonna win most improved this year. OG the past year averaged ten and a half points per game historically the overwhelming majority of most improved player winners are all-stars so if you think og ananobi is going to be an all-star this year he can have the award i don't so og ananobi is probably not going to be most improved sure uh, unless unless he becomes like like a really good i was about to say like a really good player or like a like an all-star caliber, but doesn't make it, but all-star caliber on like a top team. But then I was just describing Pascal Siakam who did yeah, win the yeah, thing, yeah, who yeah. was an all-star. Um, so I think that, you know, the Raptors are going to be a good team, but you don't necessarily gain points for that in the most improved award. So for that reason, I, I don't really see it. Like, even if he, even if he goes up to like 15 points per game, that's only like a four and a half point improvement. And I don't see him going above any, I do, there's no way he goes like above like 16 or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess I think that, that he could go to like 16 or 17, but like, I don't know if I'm betting on that. I guess I, part of it is, I think that, I think that OG Ananobi is like one of the best players in the NBA that people don't know about. Yeah. Like, so part of my most improved thing is I just think he's like <laughs> so underappreciated and he's actually like a little underutilized in, in Toronto. Um, because I actually think he's a very, very good role player. Like, he's an awesome defender. He's an efficient three-point shooter. He can attack the basket a little bit. Um, he just kind of does it all. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades in, in, in really a perfect NBA wing. Um, and I think he's gonna. I think he deserves more credit than he gets. So I'm kind of hoping that it's like this is a year where kinda like, he kind of shows up and the stats sort of match what I believe he can be, which is um one of the better like wing role players in the league um but but once again like i'm putting him at number one but he's a dark horse for me um and, and it's partially just because i think this award is so hard to predict like i think it's is it more likely that shay gets it like yeah i guess probably <laughs> but i don't want shay to so i'm just gonna stick with og at number one yeah, i don't yeah, really care I feel, that. I feel that uh for number two i have deandre aiden i think i'm going with the teddy bear if you watch the last episode you know um <laughs> i'm going with mr teddy I think that Aiton is just going to come out. Last year, he averaged, like, what, like 17 or 18 or something like that. Let me look that, that up really quickly. Um, yeah, la, la, no, no, no. Last year, oh. he averaged 18.2 points per game. I could totally see him averaging, like, t like 22 next year. And I think that that would be enough to be, like, an all-star caliber player. Maybe not in the West. I don't think it's most improved. Exactly, exactly. That, that's why he's my number two. Um, but I also think we like we only saw 32 games of him last year, so he's kind of like not really hyped up at all. And so I think yeah. that that might also be like, oh, where like where did he come from? You know? Yeah, I, he just he's he's like quietly putting together like pretty good numbers, like when he yeah. when he's healthy and when he's when he's in the game. But I think it's also a little bit of like, okay, well, yeah, like now he has Chris Paul and he was the number one overall pick. Like I think those things are working against him a little bit. Is it's like how much credit do you give to his improvement and how much credit do you give to like, he didn't play a full season last year. Now he, yeah, now he has Chris Paul and like he's with number one overall pick. So obviously expectations are high. Also, um, yeah, I think Chris Paul getting there is just going to like help him be spoon fed more. No, it definitely will. So it definitely will. I think that'll boost his numbers too. Who do, who, who do you have for number, for number two, I put Michael Porter jr. Um, okay. This is a, this is a well, weird no, one because no, I I didn't do him because he's a sophomore year player technically. I I honestly think that there's a there's a very high chance. I and mean, once again, it's like the media thing. Um, if if he ends up starting for the for the Nuggets, which I presume he will, um, there's a chance he could go out and he could average like you know 15, 16, 17. He's he's a great scorer. He's not the good of a defender, but he's hype. Like at the end of the day, like that's kind of what it is. He's hype. People love him, um, and the the storyline of like him going from being the the top prospect in high school, having these two back surgeries, barely playing in college, falling to fourteen in the draft, and then coming back and being this like real solid, maybe the third best player on the on the Nuggets, who could go on to be the third or fourth seed in the Western Conference. That would be hype. Um, and, and so if that happens, like people would eat that up. 
um, the technical analysis he came to space for and be a podcast <laughs> for. He's hype. Yeah, and that's that, that's part of it. It's like like will he deserve the award? Maybe not, but um, but I think I think that the Nuggets are going to give him a real shot with like Jeremy Grant gone. Um, I, I, I have I have his teammate. I have Jamal Murray. Yeah, the, I, I think in terms of just like improving from non from like non All Star to All Star, I think he's neck and neck with Shea Gilgis Alexander sure. for this one. But I yeah. think that what the reason that would work against him is the irrational technically incorrect reasoning of oh he was really good in the playoffs last year well no last year's most improved um candidacy ended at the regular season so or ended at not at the regular season it just ended with the season so like a new year is just a new year you know the playoff the playoffs of last year don't like don't count at all yeah yeah, yeah, they they don't they they don't Uh, count for the regular season no this year the thing is i think that i think it could hurt Part of my argument against Jamal Murray for most improved player is people will think will think about last last playoffs. Yeah, and they'll be like, okay, well he was incredible last season, so he hasn't really improved. Like people are kind of expecting Jamal Murray to come out and do great things. And so it won't be shocking. Now you can make the same argument that like Brandon was Ingram. Bam Adebayo yeah. showing up shocking? Like to some extent, no. Everybody was picking him for most improved player. Um so I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think anybody will be shocked if all of a sudden Shea and Jamal Murray are like fringe All-Stars next year, putting up, you know, 23, 24 points per game. But does it make them the most improved player? We will see. Um, really quick before we move on, my other dark horse, who I don't think will win, but just want to give a shout-out, Jaron Jackson Jr. I, hey. I think hey. he he averaged too many points per game last year, and I don't think he's going to become like a 20 one point per game score a 22 point per game score this year another underrated king though yeah facts and so yeah. we always just gotta i always just gotta throw the name markel fultz in the mix as like another <laughs> super dark horse like there's always a chance there's um, always so a chance. we'll see yeah okay so shay deandre Aiden, jamal murray jaron jackson yeah um i got og michael porter jr shay Gilch alexander All right for coach of the year i don't think we have to get too in depth with this one but for right now one, I have Steve Nash because that kind of ties in with my Kevin Durant MVP candidacy. Yeah. I think I think just like if you have Luca win MVP, then I think that my number two Rick Car- Rick Carlisle is going to win Coach of the Year um, because the Mavericks are going to be really good. I think if if Kevin Durant wins MVP, then Steve Nash is definitely going to win Coach of the Year, even if he might not do that much coaching. It's just the Nets were the seven seed last year, and they're the two seed this year, and they have a new coach. So they just kind of connect the dots. Like, that's what happened with Steve Kerr. Yeah, I mean, sometimes, uh, I, I guess I'm looking back at Nick Nurse winning Coach of the Year last year, and, and part of it was like, okay, so Kawhi left the Raptors, and the Raptors were still really good, and so you have to give a lot of credit to, to Nick Nurse for that. The same thing I think will happen where you have this sort of like cool storyline where it, where Steve Nash comes in, takes a team of, of two stars, one of whom can't seem to get along with anybody in Kyrie Irving, um, and if he turns them into a 2-3 seed in the Eastern Conference, right, and, and he's a brand new coach who's never done it before, once again, people will eat that up. It will yeah. be hype. Um, and so, so that's why I have Steve Nash's number two. You should be the hype awards. Yeah. So, so I got Steve Nash's number two for Coach of the Year. Um which I have sort of the, the flip side is pairing with my Luka Doncic MVP candidacy, I'm going to put Rick Carlisle, Rick Carlisle at number one. Um, and I think people know that Rick Carlisle is a great coach. Um, I think once again, the, the, the Mavericks will come out, la, la, so, sorry, the Mavericks will come out next season and have a historically great offense the same way they did uh, last season. And so with that, with the record to match with Luka Doncic and MVP conversation i think there's no reason rick carlisle can't be the coach of the year for three i have i got a little quirky but not really because the fact we were we were getting ready to record this and i was like does brad stevens have a coach (laughs) of the year and you were like no and i was like that's that's a that's a a hate crime Um, he's my number three too dark horse yeah really yeah okay yeah yeah i think that that fits in with your tatum pick very perfectly exactly to match the tatum mvp i'm just doing it because I like Brad Stevens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's a really good coach, and like he's never won it before. So you always have to put him in the running. But it's interesting. Does him never winning it before like hurt his chances? Like, does that actually mean you shouldn't pick him? I don't know. Anyways, um, 
so some combination of Steve Nash or Ricarlo are probably the favorites, and then we both have Brad Stevens as our third. Yep. For coat, uh, well, six man of the year. For six man of the year. For number one, this is a cop out, but literally whoever is the backup power forward of the Hawks, because yeah. right now the Hawks starting lineup. I'm on ESPN on the depth chart right now. Point guard Trey Young set in stone. Shooting guard Bogdan Bogdanovich essentially set in stone small forward deandre hunter you would think that he had like a solid rookie year last year and he was your fourth overall pick and he's a he's a solid role player like he yeah. just plays his role you would think that they would start him yep and clint capella is probably going to be your center um because i don't know you're paying him a lot he's a vet he, he's 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 like a win now kind of guy you traded for him last season yeah, you, you still tra- haven't really seen him yeah, in Young. exactly so that leaves john collins and Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. And you only have a spot for one of them. So I don't know how it's going to work out. There's a small chance that they start Danilo Gallinari at the at the small forward and John Collins at the power forward. But that would be pretty awkward. Um, yeah. And so for that reason, like, we're just assuming that that doesn't happen. I'm not a mind reader. I don't know what's going to happen. But I According think... According to ESPN de- ESPN's depth chart, it's Danilo De- Gallinari coming off the yeah, bench. So yeah, so especially if it's Danilo, like like a little bit less so if it's John Collins, but if Danilo Don- Gallinari is coming off the bench, I think he's a lock for this, bro. Yeah, no, I I, I have him as my number two. I actually agree for like for same reasons. It's like we were talking about this before, um, trying to come up with six man of the year candidates, and, and the and Hawks we, bench is stacked just in general. Yeah, like, like kind of they, they, yeah. They, they've, they've Rondo, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, Danilo Gallinari, is, and Onyeko Kongwu. That's a better starting lineup than like the Cavs. Word. <laughs> and the Hawks aren't even like necessarily good. Just their bench is better than the Cavs. It is Danilo Gallinari the second best player in this team? Maybe. 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 And he's like, and he's coming off the bench. Um, and you don't see that that often. In uh, Danilo Gallinari can shoot the heck out of the ball. Um, so yeah, number two. I'll uh, I'll throw my number one at you, which is Dennis Schroeder. Assuming he comes off the bench for the Lakers, which I, I think I he's going to. I didn't put him here because I don't think he's going to come off the bench. Or at least like once they actually play basketball and understand the, how uh, good Dennis Schroeder is, he's not going to come off the bench because, like, yeah, you would just rather have like your best five out there, I would say. And I think like you would so much rather have, I don't know, Dennis Schroeder out there than Alex Caruso, right? Yeah. Just no no offense to the GOAT. Yeah. I And he came out and he said... um like I, I, you know, I, I've done this coming off the bench thing before, but like now I want to start. If if he's coming off the bench, give me Dennis Schroeder. Um, so I'm just like I'm just putting that out there. If he's not, uh, and so so my number one is Dennis Schroeder slash Montrezl Harrell, which is like I guess if Dennis Schroeder's not coming off the bench, then I guess I just pick Montrezl Harrell for six minutes. He's my number three. Yeah, but uh, so that's my number one, which is a little bit boring because they were both in the conversation last year. I have Gallinari at the two. Um, and then my three. Oh, I'm looking at your doc right now. Okay. My number three as my sort of dark horse is Derek Rose. He's my number two. Really? He's, he's my number two. The only reason I don't have him winning it is because I think that the, like, when was the last time the Sixth Man of the Year award came to literally the worst team in the league? Yeah. Like, okay. I, I think the Pistons are just going to be playing such irrelevant games that, like people are just gonna be like, okay, like, like who, like who really cares, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he, he, Dirk Rose almost won it a couple years back when he was on the Timberwolves. For whatever reason, we're not picking Lou Will. Um, and I, I think he's just kind of getting worse a little. Yeah, you know? maybe. Yeah, but I guess so. So I guess we're, we're both just kind of assuming like Lou Will isn't in the conversation, which definitely helps him. Uh, Dennis Schroeder and Muchers Harrell are both on better teams, which could hurt them. Um, Gallinari's a legit threat, but. Derek Rose has no business coming off the bench, and yet he is because Killian Hayes can start. Which, uh, you know, fair fair play to the Pistons. You want to start your your rookie, um, but that definitely means there's a chance for Derek Rose to go berserk um, and, and be in six man of the year conversation. Yeah. So in summary, literally whoever is the backup power forward on the Hawks, Derek Rose, Montrezl Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, or Montrezl Harrell. Literally, whoever's the backup power forward for the Hogs <laughs> and Derek Rose. Um, okay. Which leaves us with... Last but not least, Executive of the Year Award. Yeah. The reigning Executive of the Year was Lawrence Frank. From the Clips. Who, who is the Clippers. For, for me, for this one, I was thinking like, okay, who is going to be better this year than they were last year? Sure. Um, typically, it's whoever makes a big move and is at the top of the power rankings is going to win this award. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why when people have Rob Palinka as like 
the Uh-oh. as the executive of the year i'm like okay but they were the one seed last year yeah you know? well i don't think it's necessarily um just about like improvement in terms of like the regular season record i i i am going with rob palenka he's here. my number three yeah i have my number one because i i think that the the lakers will probably walk into will probably end the season as the best team in the western conference heavy favorites to win the championship they will have uh they will have signed in a shirt and montrose harrell and he didn't win it last year when he traded for anthony davis so i think that like since he didn't win last year, like that might give him like some bonus yeah, points. Yeah, for that's this kind year. of bizarre. That I guess I guess they made it before the the postseason. I yeah, um, but yeah. So I got Rupolinka number one, even though what you're saying is fair. Like they didn't, they they won't like I, in terms of like the regular season, in terms of their record, like it probably won't really come across. They got much that much better, but I think that Rob Polinka made some major moves. Number my other two guys are like kind of dark horses. For my number one, I have Travis. Schlank. Yeah, he's my number three. Yeah, I'm I'm taking the guy who's schlanky with it. <laughs> Atlanta Hawks. Okay. <laughs> Atlanta Hawks made some moves this year that probably we... the biggest offseason out of any team. Exactly. I mean, and, and on... minus like our potential James Harden trade, probably. Yeah, and honestly, like for that reason, you know, I'm just taking him because they had the most active offseason, and I think they're gonna jump in the in in the Eastern Conference rankings. Yeah. So for me, that's a formula for people being like, oh. This is like the most improved team. I'm gonna give it to Old Schlanky. I, I so yeah, so I have him at number three, but I actually I'm going with John Horst at number two from the Bucks. I've met um, John Horst. Very cool. I'm dude. sure he's a cool guy. Yeah. Well, part of I'm instead of taking the most improved angle, I guess I we should do some more research on like who usually wins the executive of the year. But I have a feeling history would indicate that it's oftentimes one of the best couple of teams in the league. Um, and so the the Bucks will probably still have the best record in the NBA next year, and they made the Drew Holiday trade. Is it like enough to win Executive of the Year? Maybe not, but like I think we we're a little bit spoiled by last off season, um, and usually there just aren't that as many major yeah. moves as there were last off season. And so by comparison, the Bucks were very were very active um, by bringing in Drew Holiday, trading those first round picks. And if it works out, which I'm gonna assume it will, because I think that Drew Holiday is gonna be looking very good i think there's a legit chance that john horst could be uh could be in that conversation so i got him at number two as sort of my dark horse but maybe i call that travis slank i don't know amen hope he does my my super dark horse and just like what is is bob myers who is the gm of the warriors and this is just feeding into like oh if the warrior if, if steph curry wins mvp and the warriors are like the three or four seed then the warriors loki had like a a decently big offseason drafting Wiseman. they they drafted Wiseman. they trade for mm-hmm. kelly Oubre. um i think the wiggins trade that oh, no, was no, um, no, that, that was, was during the regular season last year so i but i think that does that factor could, in I don't, I don't know but like like, it, like they announced the winner of last year's award after that trade so i don't think it would like directly factored in but but it, i guess it kind of counts yeah and so i just think in general if if a wise credit if, if the Wiseman thing is a hit um, then I think that that'll be like a decent thing, and especially because like they their roster does look a little new this year. Um, if if Wiseman comes out and is and is the rookie of the year, that certainly helps his chances. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is not out of the question. Yeah, it's not out of the question. So for that reason, um, I have number one Travis Schlank, number two Bob Myers, number three Rob Palenka. Number one, I got Rob Palenka. Number two, John Horst, and three Travis Schlank. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor NBA Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. If you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. Also, subscribe to us on Apple and on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. And thank you so much. My name is Connor Gillen. And I'm Connor Flannery. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to our school for giving us a snow day. Shout out to Media Hype.